I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 152. Want to learn from the top 5% of mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford from I Love Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show, I have Jason Henneberry of Verico Mortgage Pal. He's also the CEO of Doc Assist and just created a product called Lender Spotlight. I know the guy has more going on than most brokers. Uh, one of the most innovative guys that I know. And this show is pretty interesting because I get the background on sort of how he got into the business, how the, he struggled in his first six months, some of the lessons that he learned building his mortgage business, and then more recently on how he basically, these tools and things that he creates, how he scratches his own itch so he has a problem in his own business he creates a solution then he says hey i think maybe other mortgage brokers would have this problem and then he presents it and so one of the cool things that he's doing right now is this thing called lender spotlight so it's basically a a, a guideline and rate search tool that allows a broker to kind of find the right lender i know that the lending environment has changed and gotten more complicated and so this helps simplify it and it's free which is totally rad so you want to check that out and yeah it's a fantastic interview i really enjoyed my conversation with jason i think you're going to love it this show is sponsored by adlawappraisals.com. They're a full-service real estate appraisal firm located in Vancouver, BC. They appraise residential and commercial properties throughout the entire Lower Mainland. I did some background checking on Adam and the crew, and brokers told me they were fast, efficient, and approved with most banks and credit unions. They've invested in technology that ensures quick turnarounds. They also have an executive home appraisal price that doesn't even kick in until $1.5 million, and the first rental estimate's free, and the first letter of transmittal is always on the house. Adlaw Appraisal is a big supporter of our community, so if you need an appraisal in the lower mainland you have to check them out and if you want $50 off just email them say you heard about them on I Love Mortgage Brokering and quote ILMB50 and they'll give you $50 off any appraisal. This episode is also sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West is a private lender in BC and Alberta. Now normally when I have a sponsor for the show it's because I personally use their product or service and I can give it a 100% recommendation. In this case it's a little different. I personally don't do private deals so I decided to do some background checking on the crew at Pioneer West and I found everyone said they were fast, down to earth and underwrote deals if they made sense which is exactly what you're looking for in a private lender. Another cool thing about Pioneer West is they are super fast. In most cases they can give you an answer in two hours or less. So if you're a broker looking for a private lender in BC or Alberta, check out Pioneer West and tell them you heard about them on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your business? Yeah, for sure. I've been in the business for about 15 years, married, got three awesome kids, uh, live on the West Coast, and uh, I've got two businesses, uh, a brokerage and doc assist. 15 years ago, how did you get into the mortgage business? Yeah, well, I got my start at working as a personal banker at uh, one of the big five. And uh, I was putting up some big numbers and mortgages at the branch, but I wasn't really getting the reward that I, you know, felt I deserved for that. It's kind of making like 14, 15 bucks an hour sort of thing. And then one day, a gentleman by the name of Steve Rogerson, who's uh, actually no longer with the institution, he owns one of the bigger brokerages in Canada now. But uh, he came and sat down with me. He said, look, if you worked with me at the, uh, on the mortgage Salesforce side, here's how much money you'd make. And I was like, oh, my God, you're kidding me. So, you know, and I wouldn't have to open bank accounts and all that stuff. So I moved to that side of the bank and uh, I quickly learned what, it, you know, what it meant to be a hunter versus a gatherer, because when you're at the branch, I mean, just, you know, they do the hunting for you. It's a different process. I funded one mortgage in the first six months of uh, being sort of, you know, external. 
And it was really, really tough. Were you married at the time? No, actually. I had uh, my now wife was my girlfriend at the time. She was finishing up university on Vancouver Island. And I was over on the mainland. And, you know, I wasn't even making enough. Like to go visit her, I had to put, put it on the credit card. So I was asking my branch manager, like, can I make an extra two bucks an hour so that I can, you know, not have to put the ferry on my on my visa. And, you know, they wouldn't have it. They were like, look, you got to stay in the job for six months or a year or whatever it was. And I, I was actually the sales leader for Western Canada for my role. And so I realized it was a pretty suffocating environment. So I jumped ship, learned some valuable lessons around what it really meant to, you know, generate business mm-hmm. and uh, stuck with it. So it worked out. At what point you actually go, hey, I think I got this. You did one deal in six months, but what was the point where you're like, okay, I don't have to go back to the bank or I don't have to go back to a, a regular job? I quit my job at the branch. It was like June or something like that. I funded my first file in December, starving. And I had a pipeline of activity, but I mean, I just didn't see it coming. And uh, Steve said, you know, stick with it. You're doing the right things. It'll work out. So I said, fine, I'll give it another couple of months. January, I funded nothing. And then in February, I funded 10 files. How did you find 10 files? What was the... Well, no, I had a pipeline. Like there was energy building, but the fundings weren't there. I was making mistakes. You know, I thought I'd have a file and then I'd mess it up. I'd lose the client, whatever it was, but something clicked. And in February, I actually funded 10 files. So I made almost as much money in February as I did the whole year before. And then the realities of the business kicked in because, you know, I had to deal with the volume. So in February, like January, February, when I was working on those files, I stopped doing the things that drove the activity. So I stopped marketing. I stopped networking. I stopped doing all that stuff. March, I had zero files. April, I had one. Like I had to rebuild again. So then I rebuilt. And then a few months later, boom, I had another big month. And it was just like up and down and up and down. It was insane. It wasn't long after I got into the business. Like I was within my first year and I realized that I had to find a better way. Like the only way to do this is team for me at least. And, and so I started trying to figure out ways to build systems and processes, bring people onto the team to handle the admin side of the business. So I could just drive, you know, a more consistent lead flow. So kind of how I got started. That's how you got started. Okay. I like we start right back at the beginning. Cause I think it's useful for listeners who are, maybe they're in there for six months. They're like, Oh my gosh. So you just keep grinding at it and keep doing the right things. And one other question on this before we move on, how did you know the things to even do? Like, how did you, was it your mentor? Was it like intuition? Like you have one of the things I've always admired about you is you seem to, you play chess. So most people playing checkers, you're always thinking two or three steps ahead. And so usually when I'm asking what you're doing, I'm like, okay, you're doing this, but what is the next two, three things that you're thinking about? So was that instinctual or was it like, how did you know the things that were going to get you 10 deals in a month? So the short answer is I had no idea what I was doing. And still like today, some days I wake up and I feel like, what am I doing? But I think it was just a gradual process. You just plug away. It's like you're in the trenches, you're fighting for your life. You've got some activity, you know, you need to find a different way to do it. And you try different things. You, you know, you, you try this, you try that. And, and most of what I've tried throughout my career has not worked out. You know, there's been some failures, but every once in a while, you know, if 10% of the things you try, 20% of the things you try kind of work, you incorporate those into the business. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to just kind of expand a little bit, try a few things. And then if I find something that works, bring it into the core process of the business. And double down on it, basically. Double down. Exactly. Right. Okay. So before we dive into the rest of your story, I'd like to ask about a quote that's had an impact on your life or business. I'm a big fan of quotes. So do you have one that's uh, impacted you? I've got two for you today. I'm going to kind of break form. The first is more of a commentary on sort of where we're at in our industry. There's a mortgage conference, like a mortgage technology conference a couple months ago in Chicago. 
and the uh, the co-founder of AOL, Steve Case, was on a panel, and they entered into a discussion with the chairman of the Mortgage Brokers Association or something like that. But there was a comment that was made that mortgage industry is at the same place that the music industry was at the dawn of MP3s, like 20 years ago. And I thought that was pretty cool because, I mean, it just speaks to, you know, all the opportunity that's ahead. That's, you know, there's so much room for innovation and change. And, and I know sometimes that's a scary thing for us in our industry, but I think, you know, I think as brokers, we should be embracing that. And then I guess that sort of leads itself into the, the quote that I try to apply in my business, which is uh, from Jim Collins, who uh, he, Jim Collins wrote Good to Great. And he has a chapter heading. And it says, try a lot of things and keep what works. And I think I just spoke about that a second ago, but it's about, you know, experimenting continuously and trying to evolve your business. Right. Okay. So give me an example of something where you've actually applied this recently, this whole try a lot of things and keep what works. What's one thing that you tried and actually it works and you kept it? <laughs> Can I put a plug in for Lender Spotlight? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Actually, I think that's a genius tool. Probably a good segue. So it's a really good example of this process. So, cause we've got the mortgage side, right? In November, all of our agents, I mean, they were struggling. We actually had a really rough quarter. The last sort of 90 to 120 days have been really rough on the mortgage side. So what's made it rougher? Well, because we have this high volume of lead traffic, uh, lead flow, and we built an entire system and process around connecting with that client, getting to know them in sort of five to seven minutes on the phone and getting permission to take an application. And the thing that gives you permission to take an application is quoting them, is saying, look, here's what I'm going to be able to do for you. So that first five minutes is about just kind of pulling a few pieces of info out. And then you say, look, I'm going to be able to give you this mortgage or this mortgage. What do you think? And they say, yeah, okay, let's move forward in the process. So we lost the ability to do that. We used to be able to do it in our head on the fly, talking to someone. You could decision more quickly. Yeah, we just couldn't quote anybody anymore. Mm -hmm. So in December, we built a prototype of Lender Spotlight to solve a real problem that we had internally. And uh, we just threw a bunch of stuff into a spreadsheet, gave it to the agents, and it started working. And within a couple of weeks, my agents were saying, man, this is awesome. In fact, I'm a little bit worried because I can't work without it now. And so when that happened, I was like, oh man, wait a second, if we're having this problem, I wonder like, what's the rest of the world looking like? And we started talking to other brokers that are on our doc assist system mm -hmm. and everybody was having the same problem. So we just threw everything behind it. It's like the double down, like you said, we spent a ton of money. At this point, we're cruising up close to almost a hundred grand on it in the first four months. It's a labor of love. It's a free tool that we're bringing to the industry. And uh, it's just been awesome. Like everybody is responding so well to this thing. So that's an example of, you know, try something new, put it out there, see what happens. And now that people are responding really well to it, we have a whole list of features and, and enhanced versions of this thing that we're building on and new tools that we're going to bring to the industry. So, you know, it's a success. That's one of the things that I always try to do as well is like you scratch your own itch. So I've always believed in that we do some tool building as well through some partnerships that I do. And I'm always like, if it's a problem that I have, does someone else have this problem? And maybe they would also appreciate the solution, right? And so you're not like inventing a solution to a problem they don't even have. And so I think whenever you start from there, you always, at least you have one customer to start. And then it's just a matter of, you know, reiterating on that. So I think that's genius. So I'm going to ask you about failure now. Not everything we try works. I know that I've had lots of my own failures, but there's always lessons in it. So can you share something that you tried that was actually a failure, but then there was a lesson that you got from it? Yeah, uh, I can go back to, you know, my, my early days of marketing when I first got into brokering. 
uh, actually it was around 2006, 2007. This is when you and I first met, Scott. I used to promote tax deductible mortgage strategies. So we used to have, you know, uh, we would drop flyers and uh, radio ads and bus ads and all these things. And we would drive traffic to these public seminars. And we had a really good program going. Like over about a two year period, we put 20,000 homeowners through seminars. Mm-hmm. taking this approach. But the problem was I wasn't making any money. You know, I built an infrastructure for managing it all. And at the end of the day, we were spending almost as much acquiring the client as we did making money on the mortgages. And so what I realized though, is our marketing costs were huge. Like we were pushing 50, 60% of the revenue mm-hmm. on marketing alone. And in the marketing game, you can, you know, you can be more efficient if you commit up front. So we had radio ads and stuff. So I committed everything I had to this program. We were dropping 600,000 flyers a quarter to drive traffic. Just to give me an idea, what's the financial cost of that? At the time, it was 20 cents a flyer, so you can do the math. Now, today, it would be more like 25 or 27 cents a flyer with delivery. So we filled a, a truck. like We bought two and a half million flyers. We committed to six months worth of radio. We were doing twenty or thirty thousand dollars a month on radio. Now we were spreading some of those flyers across Canada, by the way. So in BC, mm-hmm. we're maybe half of that. But I don't need to get into details. The point is, there was a ton of money being spent, and cut our marketing by half by committing in advance. I wrote the check for everything in August of two thousand and eight, and I had forty plus seminars booked between September and November. The bottom fell out of the market a couple of weeks after I wrote the check for all this stuff, and nobody showed up to my seminars in the fall. Right. Well, because I actually, at that same time, so 2008, I my first book, basically a kind of similar idea, and it was around borrowing money from your house, like kind of like Smith Maneuver. I called it Plan 221 because line 221 is the tax deductible line on your tax forms. And I finished this book, had a ghostwriter, and then 2008 happened, and when it was finished, the stock market crashed, real estate crashed, and I'm like, if I put out a book right now saying, borrow money from your house, which is going down in value, to buy stocks, which is going down in value, people are going to like hit me with their car. I don't feel alone now. No, but I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> you know, I wrote money, for, I wrote a check to get that book done, but nothing like what you done. You basically were writing the check in advance because you were trying to get your advertising costs down. Is that why you didn't do it monthly? Yeah, there's that old saying, you know, if you're losing a dollar on every widget, make it up on volume. That's, that's what I did, and I did it at the wrong time. Right. I didn't lose everything, but you know I petered along for a couple of years trying to restart the engine, and mm-hmm. then I finally, my wife and I decided, you know, let's start fresh, mm-hmm. and we sold everything. We had a, a bunch of properties, which was the only thing that saved us, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we sold everything. We sold our house. We sold our rentals. I had a lot of debt by that point. I cleared the balance sheet. We had just enough money to put 5% down on a small house on Vancouver Island, which is where we live now, and we did that because we looked at it and we said, look... You know, the mortgage payment on this house would be less than rent by a few hundred bucks a month. So let's just do it mm-hmm. because we can build some equity. And we started over. So, and that's when I formed Mortgage Pals myself in a basement doing some lead gen. And then we, we just started building a platform from there. And then that evolved into, you know, taking those systems and applying them to as Doc Assist and then, you know, making Doc Assist available as an administration platform to the rest of the brokers out there. So, I mean, it's been an incredible five or six years. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of started over in 2011. So, Where do you live in Vancouver yeah. Island? Couch and Valley. And uh, we live on Lake Quamitin. Oh, you know, it's a beautiful place now. We, we actually just bought our new house. Okay. So I'm going to come back and talk about how Mortgage Pal spun off Doc Assist in a minute. But so what, do you have a morning routine? I know you're like a, you're a business guy. You're a businessman or a business-oriented guy who happens to be in the mortgage biz. But do you have a certain way that you kind of get your day going? Or what does that look like? I wish I could tell you that, you know, I'm highly regimented, but I'm all over the shop. I am a very light sleeper, so I tend to crash early, 10 o'clock at night. Uh, I'm, I'm usually out. 
and I don't sleep for more than two or three hours. And so, you know, I, I tend to wake up at around one o'clock in the morning and I usually put a few hours work in. You know, I get the stuff done that I can't get done during the day. I do my thinking, my, my business planning, all that kind of stuff because it's really quiet. It's mm-hmm. nice. And then if I'm lucky, I fall asleep again around four. <laughs> uh, if I'm unlucky, I go right through the day. But uh, if, if I catch another couple hours sleep, that's good for me. So how many, okay, this is crazy town. Okay, like you take my craziness to another level. No, no offense. What's your average sleep per night? Maybe three hours. Wow. Maybe, maybe four hours. It depends on how relaxed I am, mm-hmm. honestly. I think it has something to do with stress levels. <laughs> right. <laughs> to be honest. But, you know, I, I throw some movies in there too. It's not all work. I'm just up a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Everybody has different rhythms. If you moved to Australia, you'd be up in the middle of the day working, right? You'd be. Yeah, it'd be perfect. Okay, so now you created Mortgage Pal. So tell me how that spun off Doc Assist. You you tend to create it. You solve a problem for yourself or for your team, and then you you always want to bring it to the larger market. You're not like you know, it's not like you just build it for yourself. Yeah, well, that's more fun, right? Sharing is fun. The, um, uh, the Mortgage Pal thing is we we started generating a lot of lead flow and uh, had to build systems around it. And so we, we built this platform where, you know, a, a lead could come into the system, a call booker would call it, they would, the, the person would end up talking to a mortgage plan or design a mortgage plan. Then we'd send out an app and it would go into the admin queue and then an underwriter would pick it up. We have document specialists that do nothing but sort documents and pull title searches and things like that. And so, you know, we took the mortgage process and we systematized the whole thing. And we said, if you're good at sales, this is what you do. If you're good at admin, you, you know, you're over here. And that worked really well for us. And then about a year ago, we just realized, like, man, what we really built here is an admin support platform for all mortgage brokers. Like, it wasn't by design. It was just one day I woke up and I, I saw it. After three hours of sleep. <laughs> After three hours of You're sleep, You're like, it's exactly. one in the morning. You know what? I just realized we just built, like, a, a mortgage factory and we just assemble loans for people. Why don't we, you know – allow people other people to plug into our factory essentially totally and then and then so i called a few guys that i knew that were busy and they said sure we'll give it a try and you know and it, and it just worked and then and then we just opened it up and we've had 500 plus brokers now transact with us over the past year and you know a, a little bit here a little bit there our admin is on demand but we've got some higher level services where you can plug in and get a full-time professional underwriter to you know support your entire business and we're there to grow with you when you're having busy months and you don't have to worry about being committed to a salary when business is lean. So it's resonating really well with the broker community. That's awesome. And now I want to ask you about leads. So you said obviously all this was because you had leads. How do you guys generate leads? Like what's the, where do they come from? Is it realtors? Is it? We have a bunch of different marketing funnels on the go. I mean, I've openly admitted many times I'm probably one of the worst brokers uh, in the country for nurturing my database which is why, and I'm going to throw in a plug for you here. This is why we're using your program to call all our past clients. But, um, you know, the, the front end piece, attracting people that we don't already know, we're actually really good at. And I love that part of the business. So we, at any given time, we've got about six or seven funnels. Can you give me an example of something just so that my the audience can get wrap their head around like a... We do buy leads from third-party rate sites. Okay, that's a core part of our lead generation. We also have our own internal marketing program. So AdWords, social media, Facebook, those are funnels for us. And we can go after very specific markets like refinance business or purchase business. We have joint marketing budget campaigns where partner with realtors and financial planners to drive traffic through, you know, their programs. Mm-hmm. So we're not afraid to kind of spend money. Or to experiment either. Like you guys. Oh, you, I, yeah. I've wasted a lot of money working these things out. Uh, in fact, right now we've got 
at, at this moment in time, I think we have three or four new programs that we're testing. Three of them don't look like they're going to go, but I have got one program, Scott, that is absolutely killer. Like we are almost at a hundred percent conversion. And this program is designed to create a new relationship with a realtor that you don't already know and get them to refer all their business, their purchase business, which is really important to get purchase business right now because it's easier to fund for us. And they spend their money on our marketing campaigns. Right. Like it's, it's just killer. And you know, we're only just testing that, but uh, give me another six months. And if it works, I'll come back on the show and I'll tell you all about it. Right. Yeah. I'm no, I have no doubt. <laughs> You're like a mad scientist, you know, like, Nikola Tesla, who's sitting there cooking up these crazy ideas. Okay, that's really cool. So, you know, Nikola Tesla got shut down, right, for his crazy ideas? Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> you know what? I heard, I was reading about him. Sorry, I'm on a rabbit trail, but this is crazy. He actually was able to send electricity through the air to another, like from one point to another. Yes. So you imagine you have like a tower and he sends electricity through the air, no wires, wireless transmission of like, go Google that stuff, man. It'll blow your mind what they were. I know, I know all about it. He was discredited for his findings, mm -hmm. like, you know, cuckoo kind of stuff by the groups that had an interest in copper and wires. Yes. A lot of this is totally conspiracy theory stuff. Love it. Yeah, it's crazy town. He was way ahead of his time, but we'll, I'll leave that for uh, another show. Okay, so how do you keep track? So you got a lot of stuff going on. Do you guys have internal programs built to track all your deals and files? Do you start, What software do you guys actually use to manage through the Doc Assist and all the different things you're doing? So we have a bunch of different plugins to make it work, but the brains, like the core, is salesforce.com. Okay. Do you use Django or what's the... Uh... No, I've heard Django is pretty good you know, for plug and play stuff, we, because we have so many different creative things on the go, mm -hmm. uh, we built, uh, everything from the ground up on Salesforce. So, you know, for managing lead flow and doing round robin lead assignment to agents to tracking, uh, you know, deals and pipeline to managing our whole doc assist admin platform for all the different things we do for brokers, uh, right down to, you know, I can pull up on my phone right now, any file that's in our queue across Canada, I can see what the outstanding conditions are, who's working on it, where it's at, lender notes. We track our accounting on it. So we built it all from the ground up. Right. Yeah. You know, I have a friend who has a like an online lending company and they use Salesforce. And he actually has a plug-in that when, when his agents hit a certain target, it'll actually like release like a free pop out of the pop machine and stuff. Like it's actually talks to his like vending machine. The stuff you can do with Salesforce is ridiculous. It's insane, but it's not cheap either. No, you know, it's not. You really have to be committed to wanting to build something. That's one of the ways, you know, is to control the sort of process end to end. So that's pretty clever. But okay, so what's the best business advice you've ever received? That's a good one. Uh, just be true to your word, you know, honor your commitments. There's uh, my father used to say this a lot and it's kind of corny, but a promise made is a debt unpaid. I actually think it's from uh, a line in the poem, the cremation of Sam McGee. Mm -hmm. And really it's just about, you know, looking out for your friends. And, you know, if you say you're going to do something to honor that commitment to the people that you, you know, you make a commitment to, uh, it's, it's really important to me. So, you know, if I ever tell you I'm going to do something, you know, it's getting done. Right. A promise made is a debt unpaid. That's good. I've never heard that before. I, actually, it, go, it goes on longer than that. It's, uh, let me see if I can remember it. It's something about trailblazing. And you know what? I'll get it to you. You can email it out to people. The second part of it's really cool, actually. Can you share something, one thing about yourself you can't find on Google? I've got a killer rib recipe, barbecue ribs. It's insane. So you have a killer rib recipe. Next time you're on Vancouver Island, come by my house. You're going to love it. I'll, I'll cook dinner for you. But more relevant to this topic, I failed my first year calculus courses in uh, university. 
don't don't tell any of our clients, please. Right. Well, you certainly don't need calculus to be a successful mortgage broker. No, but it's you know it's basic math and uh, first year. But you know the uh, the the lessons I learned there were I I really had terrible study habits going into university. Mm-hmm. So I was I was trying for a business program, and that was obviously one of the prerequisites. So I had a lot of time in my hand on the second year because I had to redo those courses, and I spent most of my time taking courses on how to learn, which was like the most amazing thing that could have ever happened to me. The the university was great. They had all these different blocks that you could you could learn how to do everything so i taught myself how to type for the first time i was a finger pecker before mm-hmm. and i can pound out a bunch of words a minute i uh, taught myself how to speed read uh there's processes where you can absorb like entire contents of manuals really fast by you know mind mapping subject headings and reading first paragraphs and pulling out keywords and things like that so what came out of that failure was you know the ability to teach myself how to absorb content in a really efficient manner and then apply it fast, which I think is one of the most important things anybody can learn. So especially in a like environment where everything's moving so quickly and being able to adapt is like, Hey, I see it. You're the kind of guy you see it. And then you bam, you're like, you're on it. So, okay. So I'm going to move to some rapid fire questions. You can answer these shorter answers if you like. What's the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Reinvesting in their own business. Reinvesting in what types of things do you mean? Just, you know, most businesses have overhead, right? If you're going to open a corner store or whatever, you've got rent, you've got wages, you've got overhead, you've got inventory. Mortgage brokering is one of the only businesses I know where we have none of those costs, like none. We pretty much, other than a small split, take home 100% of the money we make. And the brokers that I know, because we support a lot of them, the ones that are the most successful, that are scaling their business and making a ton of money, they're the ones that are carving out a percentage of every deal and they're reinvesting it into, you know, well, obviously we're supporting them. So they're seeing the value in getting admin support so they don't have to do paperwork. Right. Or marketing and all these different things. Yeah. It's systems and all kinds of stuff. Right. And that's what we need to do as an industry to grow. And what's one thing or habit things made you successful? Uh, probably my work ethic by far, uh, maybe combined with my creativity. Like I'm a grinder. I'll, I, you know, I will push and push and push until it's done. Uh, but I'm also kind of, I shouldn't say lazy, but I enjoy the process of systematizing things and then outsourcing that task. So I'll, I'll push through it until I figure out how to get it off my desk kind of thing. I'm totally the guy that read the four hour work week. And, uh, you know, I saw that and I said, this is great. I can, you know, I can use this process to, you can do the book, the four hours night sleep. <laughs> no, no. But the thought that I had was I can actually get 10 weeks of work into, into like one week using this process, you know? Apparently, the book was designed for people who wanted to scale and relax. I, I kind of missed the point. Yeah, you got the scale part. Okay, so what's one software or app you can't live without? Zapier. You ever hear of it? Oh, yeah. We use it like a ton. Like, give me something like that you guys use it for. You, you know, you tell it, if, if this happens over here on this application, it'll, you know, then do this over here on this application. The number one thing that we use it for is connecting all our lead funnels. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's just, you don't have to know how to code. You can... You can get leads from this place or that place or this place or however they come in and you just funnel them through Zapier and then they all end up on your system exactly the way you want it to. And it's just awesome. Yeah, I know it's, it is that we use it for, yeah, to make all of our different programs talk to one another. And you're right. There's no coding required. It's, it's wicked. It's like having a virtual assistant that is always available, way cheaper and doesn't make mistakes. So if the data is put in correctly in the front end, it'll always end up at the back end of the scene. You, you just nailed it. It doesn't make mistakes. Like it's almost inevitably never fails. There's occasionally it does, but you can count on it. And that's what's most important. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Uh, good to great. Jim Collins. 
And uh, here's the last question. Did DeLorean remember the movie Back to the Future? Yeah. So if I put you in that car, send you back 15 years, and you could sit down and say, Jason, listen to me, buddy. You got to do these three things. What would you tell yourself? Uh, I might have paid more attention in university. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I maybe don't be so self-conscious. You know, I struggle with that. I tend to worry what people think of me. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side of that is don't try to be all things to all people. I have a tendency to want to say yes. I'm a bit of a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's really important for me to set boundaries and be careful what I commit to so that I can honor my commitments and make sure I have the space, you know, some some space for life. And then what would be the third thing? So there's, that's two. That's two, but, uh. Pay more attention in university doesn't count. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, you were in university 15 years ago. <laughs> 15 years ago? Yeah, I was just coming out of university. Okay, pay buck. more attention. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll let you have that one as like yeah, a, you let me know, off the hook. I'll let you cool. off the hook. I'm like I don't know. That's kind of like me too. I yeah. Anyways, I won't get into my college uh, fiasco. But you know, one last thing I want to cycle back to is the lender spotlight thing. I think it's a genius tool. Um, and if anybody hasn't picked up on what we talked about, it basically allows you to search through lender guidelines, which are a bit of a you know a nightmare right now. Not the lender's fault. It's not like they intentionally wanted to make our lives more challenging. Their lives are more challenging. And so you basically, it's like a giant maze and you've helped brokers be able to navigate it. So if you haven't checked it out, I'm going to tell you to go check it out. I saw it. It looks pretty sweet the way the whole thing works. And it's, you know, it, it's web-based. So it's not like, doesn't have to sit on your computer. So check that thing out. It's pretty rad. And I'm sure you're going to cook up some new tools and stuff in the future and, We'll be chatting about those. So where can people find you online? Yeah, best place is, uh, you know, just go to my LinkedIn profile, Jason Hanaberry. Pretty easy to find. You can find me uh, on Facebook as well or or just come check out the Doc Assist site. I'm there too, all over the place. Okay, awesome. And anybody listening, we can get show notes and everything that we talked about, links um, at com. Jason, man, I appreciate everything that you're doing for the industry, your time today, and I hope you continue to crush it. Thank you so much, Scott. Really appreciate being on the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.